Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have legendary personal trainer, Tim Grover, who has trained Michael Jordan, the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, and yours truly. We talk about staying focused and having a winning mindset. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, tell a friend to tell a friend, leave a comment, check me out on YouTube, leave a five-star rating. Who do you want to see on the show? I'm so very proud of the content that we're producing. It has a beginning, middle, and end. This is quality content. I'm not just turning on the camera and doing an interview. I'm also writing a column every Thursday in the New York Post. Download the podcast. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Leave a five-star rating. You know that's my favorite number. Today's theme is one more rep. There's a term in sports and the fitness world called maxing out. It's when you lift weights as heavy as you can and do as many reps as you can until your muscles can't do another one. But how much of that last rep is mental? And how much of that last rep is physical? There was a time against the Golden State Warriors where I broke my hand, second quarter of the game. Clifford Robinson had the ball, left block, on the post. I swiped down at the ball. I've done this a thousand times. All of a sudden, my hand is injured. We get into a timeout. I look down at my hand. It's two times the size that it was when the game started. It swole up so fast. I look to Danielle Marshall, my teammate, and say, my hand is broken. I'm finishing this game. When you get the rebound, throw me the outlet on my right side so I could catch it with my body. You know what happened that game? We won on the road. I finished the game, made a couple of shots late, in the paint with a broken hand. And by the way, there's a difference between being hurt and injured. Hurt, you play through. Injured, you can't go. So actually, I shouldn't have kept going because currently I have a plate and five screws in my hand because I broke my fourth metacarpal bone. And that surgery is what keeps my hand together. But it was worth it. Yeah, I was tired. Yeah, it was a regular season game. It wasn't game seven of the playoffs. I'm no Michael Jordan. It wasn't my sick game. I still played the NBA games and it was a target. It got hit. It got whacked. It got smacked. I fell on the floor. I put my hands down to brace my fall. But you know what I did? I kept playing because failure wasn't an option. And sometimes in life, there's not going to be someone to push us. I was doing this for me. We have to coach ourselves. We have to believe that there's enough greatness inside of us that we can do more than we initially set out to do. Many people in life, including my lovely late great mom, have pushed me toward being the best Jalen I could be. But when I was in the NBA, I was fortunate enough to be pushed past my limits by many people, including the great Tim Grover, who's our guest today. Tim has been a personal trainer to some of the biggest stars in the NBA, Jordan, Kobe, and little old me. And up next, we're gonna talk about his new book, Winning. 
the unforgiving race to greatness and how to get more out of yourself when you, you, you are ready to quit. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. You know how I do it each week. The show that covers trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Check out this week's theme. It's called One More Rep, featuring a good friend of mine, someone who's a legend, Tim Grover. Let me tell you a little bit about our next guest. He's not only a best-selling author, but also the personal trainer to some of the NBA's biggest superstars. Everyone from Michael Jeffrey, Air Jordan, to Sir Charles Barkley, the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, and more. His new book is called Winning the Unforgetting Race to Greatness. It's out right now. Please welcome somebody to actually train me as well. <laughs> I've been a bug on that windshield. Please welcome <laughs> Tim Grover. Thank you very much. Jalen, how are you? What a great introduction, man. It's been a long time. It's a pleasure to see you again, pleasure to, virtually, and a pleasure, honor to uh, talk to you. Thank you very much. You say something in your new book that I find fascinating, and I relate it to Kevin Durant as he left OKC to go to Golden State. He won back-to-back championships, was finals MVP two times in a row. But then he said he thought that that was going to make him feel something or a level of happiness that it actually didn't. Mm-hmm. And again, in your book, you say winning is the lover that takes you to paradise all night and then you wake up alone. Oh. Are you saying winning is overrated? No, winning is not overrated. It's just, you can't own it. You can hold on to it briefly, just briefly. Mm. And then it leaves you because it's going to move on to the next, it's going to try to move on to the next person and so forth. So these champions, they're at their highest when they win, but that's also their lowest point because they know in order to do it again, what they have to go through over and over and over again to constantly be in the conversation with winning, to constantly be in that be in that race to win again and again. You get a lot of athletes, and you hear this all the time, and they say stuff that they they really don't mean. mean you know from a competitive standpoint, you get out there and things start to like really, really go. And KD will say some things, but then, you know, he'll have some underlining statements about it. He's kind of always keeping you off guard. Regardless of what he says, he's an assassin. He wants to, he wants to win. Not only does he wants to win, he wants to destroy you. He wants to embarrass you. It doesn't matter who you are out there. And winning constantly is going to recognize him and continue to call his name as long as he produces the results. Recently, the public uh, was reminded that the current athlete and the person that they look to the most when you talk about that killer instinct is Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. And you were front and center for 
most, if not all of the great Jordan years as a Chicago Bull. What about him that you now see as played itself out over the years since he stopped playing that his influence has been able to elongate itself in the game? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously everybody knows his shoe is still the hottest selling shoe out there. You know, it's like, and it's funny as a younger generation comes in who really haven't had a chance to like really see Mike and do what he does. They look at YouTube and I get emails and texts all the time from individuals and saying, Oh, all the stuff you see on YouTube, that's not real. It's Photoshop. I'm like, no, it's actually, it's actually even better in person than it was, than it was on YouTube. Cause they just can't imagine doing stuff like that. I remember when uh, uh, the Zach Levine had a 50 point game in Chicago and he was the first player to do it in a while. I can't remember the whole thing with the third. And they asked him about Mike. And he says, listen, MJ's a ghost. He's a myth. He goes, <laughs> and that's the, that's the perpetuation of what he, what he's created. And the last dance just took it to a completely different, different level to see how intense he was and see how focused he was during one of the most difficult times to win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would just imagine coming in to a season and the organization, whether it's the owner, general manager, tells you no matter whether you win the championship or not, the coach is no longer going to be here and the team is going to be dismantled. That is crazy. All right. Then on top of that, <laughs> you're – Next best player who's been with you for five championships decides to have back surgery during the season. How many players or individuals would have said, you know what, I'm, they don't care about us. Why should we care about them? But his desire and the mental fortitude to win during any adversity that was thrown at you. For most individuals, they would have been like, "Ah, I'm not going to do this. For him, everything that happened was just another chance to show how to win under all these different circumstances. And what I want these individuals to see now is, yeah, you are, there's a lot of players that are out there that are physically, physically gifted, but it's that mental toughness. It's that mental edge. It's that winning mindset that's going to allow you to separate yourself from those individuals. And the winning mindset isn't just about you. It's about yourself and your teammates. So a lot of times, and I know you hear it, as LeBron James continues to ascend in the record books and win championships with the Los Angeles Lakers, the GOAT conversations are gonna be had because it's a different generation of people who just didn't see MJ play. I feel like it's no question that MJ is the GOAT. When you're asked, what do you think? Well, listen, obviously I'm I'm gonna be biased about this, but being alongside this individual and being able to see things 
that nobody got a chance to see. Not the you know the way he handled the way he handled the media, the way he handled adversity, leaving the game and coming back and winning three more uh, three more in a row, never losing uh, in an NBA final, never needing mm-hmm. a game, never needing a game seven, and his no matter how great his stats were during the regular season, they were even better. Mm-hmm. during the playoffs and during that era no other star won a championship they could not beat Correct. michael jordan and the bulls except the two years that he he was away which i think it was a houston rockets that won the championship yep back to back back to back all right and you know obviously people are going to say well you know those championship you know MJ had the utmost respect for Elijah Wan and the way he played the game and the way he approached the game. And those debates are going to go on and back and forth. But while MJ was on the court, Patrick didn't win. Charles didn't win. Stockton didn't win. Clyde didn't win. Carl Malone didn't win. And um, we can just keep going on and on and on. Yes. I mean, you know it more than I do. There was just like, that was, it was like, no, this is my era. You are not going to win during this time. Absolutely. And the theme for this show is actually one more rep, as I mentioned. What's your method of getting the most out of yourself when you're ready to quit? You know what? It's funny. Think about all the workouts going back to your AAU days, going way back when. All right. When individuals quit, Mm. was it because they were physically tired or they were mentally tired? Your mind, your mind will tell you to quit before your body, before your body will. Mm -hmm. So to get that one extra rep, don't look for the external motivation. What I really enjoyed with working with individuals like you and different, uh, different winners out there is I really didn't have to motivate you guys. You guys were self-motivated. Yeah, I had to push you guys. I had to, you know, make you do some things that you didn't want to do. But I didn't have to tell you to show up early. I didn't have to tell you to stay up late. I didn't have to tell you to work on your free throws. I didn't have to tell you this was the weakness in your your game. You guys, you guys had already addressed that and say, hey, this is what we need to do in order in order to get to get better. Mm-hmm. So there's, if you constantly need motivation, to me that's entry level. You have to get to the point where it has to be internal. Winning is internal. So instead of trying to be motivated all the time, try to elevate yourself, Mm -hmm. yourself, hold yourself accountable, you know, to produce the best end result. You know, how often, how much time you spend a lot of time playing and you had to study the playbooks and you had to read the plays and do all that stuff. It hasn't changed now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you do, when you do uh, games, when you have to talk about different topics, you know, every, yep. you started out, everybody was going to say, Oh, Jalen's he's going to talk about basketball. Well, look what this show is. This show is about, it's about everything else and a little bit of basketball, not just yep. basketball, but Absolutely. you have to educate yourself and take time into those things. And that's what winning wants. Winning wants to see all of you. It doesn't want to see just a part of you. That's well said. And you touched on something that I was going to ask you. Why is selfishness misunderstood yet required for greatness? 
Well, you know what? It's funny. The word itself is misunderstood. People that are that they like to sugarcoat selfish. You know, people like to give it like creative, they like to give it creative words. All right, I give an example. Me time. Okay. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. People like people like, you know, uh, this is a uh, guy's night out, girls' night out, a man cave. All right. Those those are all they're, they're all about you. But people respect that because it's not it's not selfish. All right. But you have to take care of your you have to take care of yourself. And yeah. usually when people call you selfish, it's because the one time you said no to them, mm. now all of a sudden you're selfish. They don't remember the numerous times you said yes, 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 and yes. But the one time you say no, now all of a sudden you're selfish. If you don't take care of yourself, how do you expect to take care of anybody else? You, as an, you played a team sport. If you weren't taking care of yourself and performing at the highest level, would the team be better or the team be worse? Be it worse. would be worse, all right? Mm -hmm. So self is like, you have to be selfish to the point where it benefits you and it benefits everyone else. And, and also in winning, you talk about getting in touch with your darker side and mm -hmm. leveraging it to achieve. What's the best way to do that? Jalen, if you go back, if you go back and it's funny, I'm glad you're doing this podcast. All right. Appreciate because you too. Oh, think about when you guys came in as a Fab Five. Mm -hmm. All right, each each one of your players had this thing inside of them that nobody could touch. Mm -hmm. You you couldn't trash talk them out of it. You couldn't coach it out of them. You couldn't do it. It was something that was so deep inside each individual mm -hmm. that kept them going when nothing else would. Mm -hmm. And that's what your dark side is. It's unique to each individual here. It's not about vampires. It's not about Star Wars. Mm -hmm. It's about the thing that keeps you going when nothing else will. When the, the coach is in there and he tells you, listen, you got another, you know, five suicides or whatever it is. And you're just like, man, I just say, I just ain't got it. And then all of a sudden you got it. That's your dark side pushing you saying, Hey, let's go. Come on. Let's, let's do this. It's what's, it's what fuels you. It's what you understand that nobody else understands, you know, for for young guys that are watching this, go back and look at some of the interviews that you guys had to do as a freshman mm -hmm. in college and all the questions that you guys were, you were doing because you guys literally changed the landscape of college basketball. Mm -hmm. Now, if you thought like everybody else, mm -hmm. you would have been like everybody else. The dark side allows you to think. It allows you not to think like everybody else. In the book, we also talk about what to think and how to think. Think about 
all the unique players in any professional sport, they all know how to think. There's a huge difference. Most of us through school, education, and everything we're done, everything is about what to think, what to think, what to think. You read this book, this is the way to do it. Here it is. When you guys came out, you guys each had that individuality and it was how to think. Yeah, we we know what to think. We know what our coaches are th- saying. We know what the media is saying. We know what the school is saying. But we have, we're individuals. We also know how to think. So the best of the best, they know what to think and how to think and combine it at the same time. That's what winning requires. And that's the dark side, basically, that has somebody getting up at four in the morning to basically train and work out. Yes, it's what gets you up that's like other people. Listen, there's more, there's more things that want to keep you inside keep you in that bed. Just say hey, another half hour. You know, you don't have to go work out today. You had a you had a good one. It's that dark side that taps you and says, Hey, get up. Mm-hmm. Like get up, like get up now. We got we got work to do because if you're not working, somebody somebody else, somebody else is. Mm-hmm. And you know, you said it perfectly. Uh Kobe Bean Bryant, he he was legendary for that. Yes. Legendary. Yes. Well, absolutely, he was. How about somebody else that you got a chance to ball out at your gym? That's a legend, Barack Obama. In yes. 2012 election day. What was it like watching the president play hoops? It, well, it was funny. It, it was like watching a bullfighter. Old legs. Every nobody wanted to hurt the next president. He was going up. He was, you know, he he's got some skills. But the the scare the the unique part about that story is the security that came and surrounded the building. I mean, it was funny. All you could see was the individual's eyes. They came in, wow. and I was outside. They. They were all on the roof. They literally lifted the sewers and had people positioned in, yes, people positioned in the sewers. All, I mean, it was, it was, and you, all you could see was the individual's eyes. They didn't smile at you. They didn't speak at you. They didn't do, they didn't do anything. I mean, there was people, they had the camouflage gear. They were lying out in the parking lot, lying under cars, had in the grass, every, it was like, it was um, it was amazing, and then the game itself, you know, it, it was an honor to have him in there. And it was funny. He after he was done, he start, he looked at his phone, and before the results were even there, you could see a smile on his face that he was like, "Yeah, I want." Not only did I win in this gym, but I'm about to be the next president of the United States. And he and he took pictures with all of us. He acknowledged us all. He took pictures with us and. It was it, it was a surreal moment. It was it was really really surreal. I truly appreciate you joining me. It's an honor to have you on. But before I let you get out of here, I want to shoot a couple of rapid fire questions. All right. <laughs> Gone in sixty seconds with Tim Grover. Cardio or weightlifting? Weightlifting. Name your top three songs that get you hyped before a workout. You know what? Okay, I know I gotta make this quick. I don't listen to music mm. when I work out. I don't listen to music when I work out. All right, I want to be my own hype person. Got you. I want to be my Got own hype. I don't want to. Ha- I don't want to have external hype. I want to be. I want to be my own hype person. So I don't listen. I don't listen to music. Got you. I don't like 
playing rec ball and one of my teammates has an earbuds. <laughs> yeah, where is that? <laughs> like, what is that? Are, are you, is it that important? Are you, uh, if you have that important of a phone call coming your way, you shouldn't be playing. Go sit down and wait for that phone call. What are you listening? What are you listening to? You studying? If you're studying, go study. Are you? If you're playing basketball, if you're hooping, let's hoop. Hey, <laughs> who's your funniest celebrity client? Who's my funniest celebrity client? Well, you know what? I really don't. Most of my are athletes, so I don't have. I didn't really have any. Who was up? Charles Barkley. If I had to say, he was. He Charles is was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Mike Phineas, He sneaks those jabs in. He like set. He like sets that fire and then walks away. <laughs> absolutely. What's your favorite cheat meal? What's my favorite cheat meal? Is well. If it's a if it's a food, it's a slice of pizza. All right, good one. That's Chica a good one. Chicago pizza. That. Yeah. If it's if it's a if it's now the key is a slice. Okay. <laughs> that, that that's that's the key. And if it's a sweet thing, man, cookies are my downfall. <laughs> Last but not least, because. You're a legend at what you do. I love and appreciate you. You worked with MJ for 15 years, as you said, so I can't let you get out of here without asking you this question. What's your most memorable win? What's my most memorable win? Yeah. My most, my most memorable win is watching my clients win. Because you know what? It's a funny thing. I asked everybody, Describe winning in one way, in one word. And people had all these answers. Kobe's answer was winning is everything. Mm. That was his answer. And if you think about it, think about how you feel when you win. Mm -hmm. Think about how you feel when your kids win. Mm -hmm. Think about how you feel when your family wins. Think about how you feel when your team wins. Mm -hmm. That feeling is everything. That feeling is everything to see. Listen, you know, my workouts are not easy. Not easy. Yeah. Not easy. And yeah, to see these individuals go through what I put them through and get to that pinnacle. And, you know, they did. MJ was the only one that got to that pinnacle and won every single time. D Wade got to that pinnacle and didn't win every single time. Kobe got to that pinnacle and didn't win every, uh, didn't win every time. So the ones that they lost and being able to come back, mm -hmm. it, that, that's something, that's something special that those, those wins, those wins stick with you. They really do. And to see individuals like yourself, clients like yourself, I, what's amazing about this thing here is you had three individuals on your team, mm -hmm. on your college team that all turned pro that signed very, very large contracts. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm not gonna get into the numbers. You know, if you wanna share that, that's fine. We went from the city to the suburbs, let's just say. Yes, <laughs> and, not, not, and not to any suburb, <laughs> not to just any suburb. And then all three of you have excelled after 
your professional careers in the endeavors of your choice, mm -hmm. in the endeavors of your choice. You know, two of you went decide to go the media route and one decide to go the coaching route. And it's been, you don't see that. You don't see that too often, especially from the same college, collegiate team. You might see a player make it. Yep. But Absolutely. to literally see three excel at the sport and also excel after playing basketball. That's to me, that's, that's winning. Absolutely. That's winning. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Winning. The unforgiving race to greatness is out right now. Tim, it's been an honor to have you on the show. I'm forever grateful. But I thought about one more thing I must ask you. Yes, sir. You worked out so many great championship athletes. How many rings do you have? Oh, my goodness. Okay. I have six from Chicago. I have three from Miami. Mm. And I have two from the Lakers. Now, remember, we've also other clients that have also won championships. You know, those those individuals, I didn't get rings from those persons, but I feel like they're still a part they of still the championship. Count. They still they count. Still, still you know, add you up got, to your total. Yeah, you know, hey, Sean Marion, Sean Marion's won championships. Yep, uh, you know, uh, we've had, uh, let's see, Paul Pierce has won championships. If I had to go through the list of individuals that – I mean, I'm not exaggerating. One day I got to sit down and really count yes. every yes. single athlete that I, and when I mean I've trained them, I mean, I'm like, I've trained them. I didn't pass them the basketball one time, or I didn't see them somewhere. I didn't see them at the U.S. Olympic team and decided to work them out for a day or something. These are individuals that came back to me over and over and over again. It, it's it's numerous. Tony Allen is not. Tony Allen is another one that that com that comes to mind. You know, people don't know that Elijah Wan was a client of mine. Mm. All right. Tracy McGrady was a client. Tracy McGrady was a client of mine. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have. Where you talk about when they had the the greatest fifty, I have five of those guys. That's crazy. Yeah, I have I have five of those that I've worked out on a reg, on a continuous year in and year out basis. Juwan Howard's got champ. Juwan Howard's got championships. Yes, Karan Karan Butler's got championships. Well, I can I can just go on and every and all their wins are are very important to me because some of the the thing that I enjoy the most is bringing an athlete back after they say. It's a career-ending injury, mm, right? You know, to be able to take an individual like a Tracy McGrady who went through that horrific knee injury and uh, and allow him to play again, take somebody like a Karan Butler who tore his quad quad tendon, getting him back playing again, to take an, an individual <laughs> at, um, like Charles Barkley when he went down. Charles came up to me and said, "I can't." let my daughter see me go out like this. I need to get back on the court. I need to I need to play one more game next season and I need to score a basket. Wow. He goes that's how important that's how important this rehab pro this rehab process is to me. Wow, well, your wealth of knowledge and now I gave you some homework. You have to find out how many rings you got. Oh my goodness. All right, I'll figure I'll figure that out for you. I'll do that.
Because you got about 50 rings, I think. <laughs> I, my over-under is 50. I, I'll take I'll take a look. I, I It's close. It's close. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Looking forward to catching up soon. Thanks a lot. All right, brother. And if you ever need anything, you know how to get a hold of me. Always an honor. Thank you so much, Jalen. Indeed, and that's beautiful. All right. Last call. Last call. Hey, quiet is kept, especially in New York City. If you've been vaccinated, you get to go out to bars without wearing a mask. And they stay open later. And you get to actually hear that word said with that second word that we missed once we started learning words like pandemic and COVID-19 and wearing masks. Last call. Thanks to Tim Grover for joining us. And don't forget to go out and buy his book, Winning, The Unforgiving Race to Greatness and how to get more out of yourself when you're ready to quit. And the thing about being ready to quit, it's a mind state and how you fight through adversity. I wore the number five in college, but a lot of you don't know. In high school, I wore the number 42. Tim Grover knows this story. It's an NBA story. My biological father, James Walker, was the number one pick in the 1967 NBA draft. He went by the name Jimmy. You combine the J.A. from James and the Lynn for Leonard. That's how Jalen was created by my mother, Jeannie Cassandra Rose. Rest in peace, Ma. I grew up in a single parent home. I'm the youngest of four. My brothers and sister had a different father. I love basketball. It was in my genes. I told my mother I was going to the league one day. I played on telephone poles with milk crates nailed to them. I played on telephone poles with milk crates nailed to them, cut a hole in the bottom. You got to shoot a lot of runners. You got to shoot a lot of floaters. You run into that telephone pole. You can get a concussion. You can get splinters, and it really hurt, especially when somebody push you or foul you or being wild. That just came with the game. I grew up loving the game. I was Dr. J. You couldn't tell me that I wasn't. I started writing my autographs, Dr. J. And my mother believed in that goal. She believed in that dream. And she told me it was going to happen. So, you know, one of the things I did in high school to fuel that dream, I wore number 42. That number came out of nowhere. You want to ask why I wore that number? Jimmy Walker wore number 24. I told myself I was going to be the opposite of him because he didn't take the time to know me as his son. It was going to make me a better man in life. So out of spite, I wore number 42, the opposite of Jimmy Walker's 24. And in high school, you know what I did? I won three PSL championships, two city championships, two state championships, one national championship. I was a McDonald's All-American. I signed to go to the University of Michigan. I was a member of the Fab Five. And while I was in college, there was a gentleman named Mitch Album that wrote a book, a best-selling book called the Fab Five. And I'm not mad at Mitch. He's a great writer, a commentator. He does a lot for Detroit these days. I've been on his show. No shots of shade, but I felt taken for granted that somebody was telling my story while I was in college and getting paid for doing it. And the night before we played our first Final Four game, you know what Mitch Album did? After reaching out to Jimmy Walker to get him to participate in the Fab Five book, which he initially didn't want to do, and Mitch kept asking, 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 he participated in a book and gave Mitch a letter to give to me. So imagine getting a letter from your biological father the night before you played the biggest game of your life and you never met him. And he was a former basketball player. 
You know what I did with that letter? After it messed up my head, gave me depression, anxiety, confusion, hurt and pain, and made me think about him, even though I kept the letter for years, I finally reached out to him and called him, maybe eight years after the letter. Took four or five attempts, finally got him on the phone, told him I love him, thank him for his genes, told him I wanted to meet him one day. I had no hard feelings. You gave me my height. You helped put the love of basketball into me. My mother helped me nurture it. She's the queen. I love her. But I do want to meet you one day. I'm going to come meet you when the season ends. The season ended. I did my multimedia responsibilities. And after I got finished, I was going to go to Kansas City to officially meet my biological father, Jimmy Walker. Before I got a chance to get to Kansas City to meet him, he died. One of the top 50 players of all time, his name is Dave Bean. They were backcourt mates. We got on a plane together and went to Jimmy Walker's funeral. It was the first time we had been in the same place at the same time since I was like an infant and my late great uncle Paramore Hicks Jr. took me to the bar while my mother was there working and showed Jimmy Walker that he had a son named Jalen. Do you want to see him? Do you want to be in his life? Here he is right here. He had a choice and he chose not to. I had a choice to wear number 24 to honor him. Except I wore number 42 to do the opposite. I thanked him for that. I turned a stumbling block into a stepping stone. 